Welcome to the Weekly Standard Podcast. I'm your host, Michael Graham, here on a Friday to help us wrap up all the week's news, in particular the week's politics. Bill Crystal with the Weekly Standard. Bill, is it safe to say that this wasn't the best week for the White House? Yeah, I think that's safe to say. And uh, well, the irony is the week started, I suppose you'd say, Saturday afternoon, Saturday in the Rose Garden with the president thinking he had a political and PR victory. That was the whole point of standing next to uh, Bo Bergdahl's parents and, of course, Susan Rice trumpeting it a joyous occasion on Sunday. Contrary, think about that for a minute. If you're a serious national security advisor, you say, look, it's a very tough choice. No one could be happy about releasing these Taliban. Happy to have the young man back, and that's probably all we should say. Instead, she trumpets it, joyous, uh, joyous occasion, honorable, uh, served uh, with honor and distinction, uh, take it in battle, and then that blows up, and the military families are appalled, and the rest of the country turns out to be pretty appalled, too. And, I did, and it's been a very bad week, obviously, for the president, following on the week before, which focused on the VA scandal, which isn't over or going away, incidentally. So I, I actually felt, sorry, you and I talked maybe two, three, four weeks ago about how, and I think I wrote an editorial about this, about how I was worried there's a little too much complacency on the Republican side. It didn't feel like a wave. It didn't feel like 2010 or 1994. It felt like it would be okay. Obama's not very popular. But I didn't really feel the passion, the energy among conservatives. That changed this week, not due to anything that Republican office holders or conservative leaders did, but due to Obama uh, uh, and what he said and what Susan Rice said about uh, Bergdahl and 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 the react and then the reaction was genuinely, I think, grassroots, bottom up, especially beginning in the military community, but then spreading more broadly, obviously. And I think a deep reaction, sort of a reminder of uh, what the American left is about and what a healthier. Uh, view of America and of American foreign policy would be about uh, of all the things you one would have predicted that would sort of uh, maybe change the political dynamics a little. I don't know that one would have predicted this, but I, I just have a feeling. I, I can't really, I haven't seen much data yet that would support it one way or the other, but I have the feeling this could have been a big week where um, you know the, the, you really change the dynamics from what would be an adequate Republican year to what could be now, I think, a very good Republican year. And of course, you know, because we have a partisan political system, partisan politics is going to be at play. But I'm interested in how hard the White House is working with some help from some folks in the media to turn this into a Republicans are attacking the president as opposed to America is recoiling in horror at the uh, at the president's actions. And you and I have talked about the damage of the Republican brand that often it's enough to just not be Republican for to win a lot of these fights. I wonder if that's the case here or if the facts on the ground, the facts about Bo Bergdahl, the facts about these five dangerous Taliban members, the horrible way it's been handled, if that if partisanship is going to be left in the dust, no matter how hard MSNBC tries to keep it alive. And no matter how hard the president and the White House try, and they have tried hard, there's no question about it. That's kind of what I talk about in my editorial. I think it won't work. And for one thing, if you just think about it, there have been the Republican senators and congressmen, some have been appropriately, I think, outspoken, or at least have spoken up, especially members of the Intelligence Committee and a couple of foreign policy types. Of course, some Democratic members of the Intelligence Committees in the Senate and the House have also spoken up, critical of the deal. But the real, <coughs> excuse me, the real voices that one has heard are the voices of soldiers and the voices of families and the voices of Americans. So it's pretty hard. You turn up on your TV and Megyn Kelly's talking to six soldiers who, so far as one knows, have no particular political um, background or affiliation. They pretty much kept quiet for the last five years about this out of respect for, you know, didn't want to obviously damage the efforts to find him and so forth. They stepped forward because they're provoked. They're not running for office or anything like that. I mean, I just think it gets a little hard to say, to politicize that. Now, of course, there are 
stooges on the left who are, who are trying to attack the soldiers now, you know, and uh, I saw that character who's deputy assistant secretary, I guess, and, right. and HUD tweeted something, and other people were putting out, it was like the swift vote, um, and that really, I mean, good luck making that case to, yeah, to the calling, public. That, that is real desperation. Yeah, ca- calling the guys who had to get shot at looking for Bo Bergdahl, quote, psychopaths, which is the word that that uh, former VA official now with HUD used, is just not a way to win votes. And you talk about people speaking up. I'll why tell you. Why is that guy? Why is that guy still at HUD? Certainly shouldn't huh? he be at the political appointment? He has no uh, civil service protection that I know of. Shouldn't he be like fired by the Obama administration? Surely there's an MSNBC day part that needs a host, and so they can move <laughs> him right over with Van Jones at CNN. But you talk about speaking up. Uh, I'm on the ground in Georgia, and one person who's not speaking up in the newsroom at my radio station has contacted her repeatedly is Michelle Nunn. And I suspect that Michelle Nunn, Kay uh, in um, North Carolina, uh, 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 Mary Landro, you know, around these red states, they really don't want to be in a position of having to defend the Bergdahl deal or the White House greeting of the Bergdahl family as heroes. I think that's absolutely right. I think it's true of Democrats in purple states and even some uh, blue states. I mean, I ran into Mark Warner at an event the other day, and it wasn't political. We were just, I'm, I'm a Virginian, he's my senator, so we were just chatting in a kind of cordial way. But, um, and it was off the record, so I won't say, but I would say I, I, I'd be surprised if Mark Warner is going to step up in the next week or two and say, this was handled brilliantly, and I stand by everything the White House and Susan Rice say. I, I see that Susan Rice just said today in an interview that she's standing by her. Uh, description of, of Bergdahl as having uh, served honorably or because it's honorable to volunteer for service in wartime. Maybe that's true, but you know, if you then deserve, maybe it's not so honorable anymore. So, <laughs> I mean, they sort of continue to keep they're keeping on digging here. I think, yeah, I think you're very right that these be a problem for these senators, and also to the degree that it becomes about Obama, the election in 2014. If you're Michelle Nunn, if you're Mark Pryor in Arkansas, you've got a good name down there, you've got some personal popularity. Maybe you can separate yourself from the president, cast your opponents as a little extreme or inexperienced or something. Uh, but the more Obama's dominating the news, the more voters go to the uh, ballot box in November uh, on Election Day and think, you know, do I, do I like what Obama's doing or not? And I think in a lot of these states, and not just in, in red states, but in places like Virginia and Iowa, Colorado, um, I, I, I saw the Oregon Republican Senate candidate, Monica Wiebe last night here in Washington, a very impressive woman, a, a pediatric neurosurgeon. That's a state where the Republican brand probably really does hurt you some. But uh, we were chatting, and, and she was talking about the kind of spontaneous reaction she's heard about from people in Oregon. And that is, is one of those things that does turn a kind of normal election uh, into a wave election. Where and, sort of people just put aside their normal view of the parties and of some regular issues of, you know, taxes and stuff and just decide, you know, enough already. And uh, given that the group of voters who are most directly impacted, this veterans and veterans' families, while they do lean Republican, they're by no means overwhelmingly Republican the way, say, that black voters vote 95, 98% Democratic, Hispanic voters 70% Democratic. If the veterans' vote turns into a 60, 65, 70% Republican vote in 2010, I mean, excuse me, 2014, that's really difficult for uh, Democrats to overcome. Yeah, no, I'm sure just having this conversation, some White House guy is going to start tweeting out that we're politicizing this, but of mm-hmm. course, <laughs> I mean, that's the thing. You just analyze it, and they, they want to say you're politicizing it, but I think you're right. Look at those guys who were on uh, the Megyn Kelly show last night. Right. As I, recall, I think they were all or almost all enlisted guys. Um, they, you know, that means they probably didn't, at the time at least, hadn't finished college, and they've gone back to it. 
they're probably not from super wealthy families. Their folks are probably middle class, working class mm-hmm. Americans. Their cousins, their their you know relatives. So I agree. That's that. Those are voters. It's a mistake to think the military is. I think the officer corps has get, gotten fairly Republican over the last ten, twenty years. But but the military as a whole is very mixed. And again, these are middle Americans. Right. I mean, that's what's striking when you watch them, and and they seem like very decent people. And they certainly weren't out looking for a fight. They behaved with great restraint, really, for the last four or five years. If you think about it, uh, and, and they were provoked by President Obama. And President Obama and Susan Rice seem to have no idea of why anything they said could provoke anyone. Well, of course, President Obama says this was whipped up by Washington, which shows another yeah. problem that he has, that this is all some evil Halliburton scheme where their mind control ray is causing these soldiers to come out and speak car of talking points. But let's talk about real conspiracies. And of course, when I say conspiracy, what I'm really saying is Clinton and uh, Hillary mm-hmm. Clinton. Her book came out or is coming out this week, I guess. The rollout's been happening and it's been overshadowed by uh, Benghazi. I mean, uh, by the Bergdahl case and even to a degree by the VA hospital story. What? How has this story affected Hillary Clinton's political fortunes in general? Well, she will have to answer questions about both those topics, I should think, uh, on her book tour instead of just getting to, you know, frame her own tenure as I could state exactly as, as she might have wished. But I, I don't. I don't trust my judgment on this, honestly. I, but I would say my reaction personally to seeing an article, something online, or OCBS got hold of the book. Here's some quotes. You know, is boredom, and I wonder how how widespread that is. I am very uncertain that. The country is sitting out there thinking, oh, great, we can see some really in-depth interviews with Hillary Clinton. Obviously, some partisan Democrats will feel that way. There are real Hillary supporters out there. But I'm very dubious that sort of swing voters and sort of middle America is yearning to rehash the Clinton four years at the State Department and have this kind of triumphal, uh, you know, incredibly expensive, well-prepared, poll-tested book tour uh, being subjected to this in the middle of 2014. I may, so I, I don't know, maybe I'm just kidding myself. She'll be do great. She'll get huge crowds. It'll launch a successful presidential campaign. But I just like, personally, I, I gotta say, I feel that she's, I'm less, much less daunted by her as a candidate in 2016 than I might have been just a few weeks ago. Well, let's be specific about the past week because when the announcement was first made, you know, uh, Hillary Clinton as Secretary of State reportedly opposed the release of these five Taliban because they are too dangerous. Then she reportedly supported the decision of the president to release them until the story went south, and then she uh, released, uh, uh, you know, leaked her team leaked a story saying, well, you know, we never thought this was a really good idea. So she was against it before she was for it, before she was against it? Is that her position? Yeah, apparently. And I guess it's going to be true. She was sort of for arming the Syrian rebels, but she loyally went along, and now she's going to let us know that she was for that. I think she runs a real risk of just looking sort of ineffective in government, but sort of loyal enough to President Obama that she's not really a break from Obama. And so, you know, it's a little John Kerry-like, as you were kind of hinting there. Um, and she's the Secretary of State of an administration that uh, isn't doing very well in foreign policy. I, 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 I'm worried about the Republicans in 2016 for various reasons, you know, the strong positive agenda, establishment still is too much like an establishment, et cetera. But um, I've got to say, I, I, the more I, th- I actually think Republicans would be better off now running against Hillary Clinton in 2016 than a Democratic fresh face. I, I, maybe I'm kidding myself, but that's... That, that's my conclusion just the last week or two. I'm curious to see what it feels like two weeks from now. And uh, I like the idea of a young, younger, fresher Republican face running against a Hillary Clinton. I mean, if you send out a Scott Walker, Nikki Haley just to pick two governors, you know, right. off the off the cuff, ticket out, you know, and 
who are brand new and are, you know, not part of any other part of his, you know, if anything, reform. And then you've got somebody who, you know, is in a different generation who peaked politically, you know, when Friends was still on the air on live TV. I think that's a, just pr- pragmatically speaking, I think it's a tough spot for Democrats. I absolutely agree. And I think, think about this year and how that might help pave the way for that. You look around the country, you're sort of a voter, kind of interested in politics. Maybe you live in one of the states with a competitive center race. Maybe you live next door to one, or you've got a relative mm-hmm. in one of them. And you look around at the Republican candidates. And I just met Monica Weeby uh, yesterday, this uh, very impressive woman, maybe about 50-ish. But then you look at Ben Sass, who's 41 in Nebraska, and Tom Cotton, who's 37 in Arkansas. I think whoever wins in Oklahoma is around Shannon or, or uh, uh, Lankford will be about is around 40, if I'm not mistaken. Cory Gardner's 39 in Colorado. Joni Ernst, 42, 43. In Iowa, impressive, interesting people, diverse backgrounds, quite a lot of, of who have served, uh, but you know some of whom have been in politics for a while, some of whom really haven't ever run for office or, or have maybe just once, like Ernst Cotton, Dan Sullivan in Alaska, also very impressive. I think he'll win the primary there. It just looks different. It does not look like, oh my God, it's the Republican Party right. of Tommy Thompson and George Allen and mm-hmm. various other people who've been around forever, you know. Uh, or, and it doesn't look like the Republican Party of crazy people right. who win a primary and some fluke and, you know, then totally mess up at a general election. So, really, I'm, I, I think this could help for 2016 as well as actually helping, obviously, in the races in 2014. Bill Crystal with the Weekly Standard, thanks for helping us wrap up the week here on the Weekly Standard podcast. Please be sure to check weeklystandard.com regularly for podcast updates. I'm your host, Michael Graham.